James chapter 5. Thank you this morning for your worship and your sensitivity to God's spirit. Amen. I believe God is doing great things in this church. Do you believe that? (laughs) I believe God's doing great things in my life. I guess I'll say that. James chapter 5, beginning with verse 17. I'm going to read this in the New King James Version, and then I will read it in the New Living Translation, back to back, same verses, amen. James chapter 5, beginning with verse 17. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Once again, James chapter 5, verse 7, beginning with verse 17 in the New Living Translation. Elijah was a human as we are. Can somebody say amen? Can everybody say amen? And yet, I love those two words right there. He was a human just like you and I. And yet, when he prayed earnestly... That no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then, when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. Can we pray one more time together? Lord, we want you, Jesus, to touch this service. Direction that we need to go in this service, Lord, that all of our lives need to head, God, and we need you, Lord to continue to bring us along and bring us closer to you, God, through your word and your spirit, amen, and the experience that you give us through your spirit, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Today, I want you to know you are not the only one. My pastor before, Brother Buford was my pastor, Pastor Jonathan Urshan, told us one time that the root of the sin problem is the self problem. Can I get an amen? We simply cannot escape our humanity. We're going to struggle. We're going to battle. We're going to fight. Amen. It seems, though, that the last couple of weeks, the scripture that keeps coming to my mind, and I even hear other preachers quoting it, so I know it's the theme that God has been setting before us. Amen. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? That's a powerful scripture. In it, it tells us that we can have faith that although we will struggle in our humanity, we will all have times where we will be sick. Some of us, amen, more intense than others and more extreme than others. We will all have our times where we will be tempted, where we will be weak, where we will struggle, amen. But when death comes, we have won. When the grave comes, We've already won. By his power and by his spirit, amen. We don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear the struggle. We don't have to fear, amen, those things that occur in our life because we have been given that victorious power, that victorious, amen, presence of his spirit. That's why I said you'll notice that many times when these services are going on and you'll see folks that are really struggling or really sick or really having problems in their family, amen, or in their situations, you'll notice that many times they are the ones that step out. And it's not every time. I mean, we all have our moments where we express our appreciation and our gratitude. But many times you'll see, and, and, and I, 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 many times I wonder sometimes when I look at them, Brother Jonathan, 
I wonder if that person going through that, how in the world do they have a smile on their face? How have they found the power to lift their hands and thank God, amen, for this day? How have they found that? I'll tell you how. It's through the power and the victorious power and strength that comes through the power of the Holy Ghost. Can I get an amen? It's that power that gives us that assurance, amen, that we are not the only ones that we're struggling, amen. We're not the only ones that has experienced that power, that, uh, amen, delivering power of God. Can I get an amen? One person that I, don't, I have not found myself preaching about a whole lot in the Bible is Miriam, amen. We have, as preachers, mentioned her many times, amen, when we refer to her being the sister of Moses and Aaron, amen. So we know who she is, and we have heard of some of the things that she has done, but lately, in the last couple of months, I have studied and read some things on Miriam that she was quite the lady in the Bible, amen. She was quite strong. She had her issues, amen, but she did some pretty great things. We know her, amen, as the oldest of the siblings and the sister of Aaron and Moses, amen. Does everybody at least know who Moses and Aaron is? Can I get a Sunday morning wave? Okay, oh, good, good. So I don't need to go too detailed into that. She's the oldest sister of these two, amen. And there was a decree that had been made that all of the firstborn there in the land of Egypt, because where we are is what I mentioned just a few moments ago when we talked about the children of Israel were in the land of Egypt and they were enslaved, amen. And they were struggling. Well, something came handed down from the Pharaoh that day that all of the male children that would be born uh, in, during that era, he would say from this moment forward, if a male child is born during this time that I am setting, you will take him to the Nile and you will throw him in the river. Taking infants and babies, amen, and aborting them for his own gain. Praise God. He was throwing them in the river and, and requiring them to be drowned. It was Miriam, the brother of Moses, because when this uh, decree was made, when this was handed down, Moses not being born yet, but Moses, Miriam, and Aaron's mother was three months pregnant, amen, and she would eventually give birth during this time frame when the male children were to be thrown in the river. And when he was born, they did their best to hide little Moses, amen, and keep him away from all those that would know he had been born. But after about three months, amen, they decided it was time that they couldn't hide him any longer. And you know the story, that his mother made a basket, and she waterproofed that basket, and she set that thing in the river, and she pushed it down the river. What great faith to know that all of our, uh, amen, in her mind, all of our um, efforts have failed and we're running out of where, uh, where time where somebody is going to notice that he's been born. And so to have faith that I'm going to lay him in a basket, I'm going to float him down the river, and I'm just going to have faith that God is going to step in and rescue. Amen? Great faith. So they send him down the river, and Miriam, we know, is the one that volunteered that she would follow her little brother down that river that day. And finally we find her, and I'll, I'll hurry along just a little bit, but finally we find her. 
as the basket has drifted down the river and it's kind of caught up in the reeds there along the side of the bank and Moses or the Pharaoh's daughter is down there bathing a man as she sees this basket and she tells her servants to go out and retrieve it. She realizes immediately that in this basket is one of the Hebrew children. And I know she had to have known, Brother Harvey, that her dad has said that every one of them must be thrown in the river and drowned and executed, if you will, and still recognizing that. She draws him from that basket and she holds him and God somehow influences her heart to have mercy and compassion on that baby. Hallelujah. Think about, and really the, really, what I'm trying to emphasize is not necessarily Moses and the Pharaoh's daughter, but really Miriam. Because think about what courage this little girl had to have had. And it's assumed, and I don't know who, who does all the assuming, but it is assumed that she was somewhere between the age of 7 and 11 years old at this time. How many of you can imagine your 7 and 11 year old volunteering, amen, I have an 11-year-old daughter that would volunteer to go by danger of her life to get into the river, the Nile, follow a basket down that river, hide in the reeds, amen. Notice that the very people that have demanded and commanded that his life, amen, be snuffed out by drowning and be, have the courage and the, the wherewithal to come up out, Sister Buford, from the reeds that day and volunteer and say, I know a woman that can nurse him. I can take him somewhere where he will be nursed. And somehow in the back of her mind, not giving too much information, not being too afraid, but being courageous enough to suggest, I'll take him somewhere where he can be nursed. And know in the back of her mind that she's taking Moses back to his natural-born mother mother hallelujah so that he could be raised and brought up hallelujah to be brought up amen right and saved from the Nile that day pretty good huh this young lady spent years growing up in the household with Moses I, I know that scriptures don't always declare it amen but but it, it seems like it seems like Miriam was always lurking somewhere behind Moses. Can you imagine how she felt being the one that has uh, being the one that was the one that followed him down the river, the one that came out of the reeds, the one that stepped out a man by by uh, risking her life even to to mention to the Pharaoh's daughter that I could take him somewhere where he can be nursed. Can you imagine what it was like watching him grow up in the household of Egypt, amen, becoming one of the mighty soldiers, living in the luxuries while she's still a slave, while she's still in humble uh, uh, surroundings, if you will. Can you imagine what that would be like constantly being in the background she was constantly and I know that the scripture doesn't give us this much detail but I just feel like she was the one that was always there for Moses she always supported her brother she was always on his side always rooting for him and it just seemed like 
that maybe, and again, I'm, I'm assuming that maybe something in the back of every one of their minds realized that with everything that took place, this Moses was a special child. Can you imagine still living 40 years in a, in a slave-type environment while the brother that you rescued, that you have assumed the entire time, amen, would be the, the deliverer, if you will, that there was something special about him, that there was a, a, a he was going to do something great for God. You just knew it. God wouldn't go through all of that extent, amen, just to waste a life like that, just to put him in that house and leave us here. There always had to be something in the back of their mind, amen, that, that he was special. Micah chapter 6 mentions Miriam, and I, I love this because it says she was a prophetess, and this is how we know. Micah 6 and 4 says, For I brought thee up out of the land of Egypt, because now we're at that, uh, uh, that place where they are being delivered, and redeemed thee out of the house of servants. And I sent before thee Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. Amen. Can you imagine? How awesome that is that you were the one that followed him down the river. You were the one that stuck your neck out, amen. And now you're being mentioned and declared by God that it's not just Moses and Aaron. It's Moses and Aaron and Miriam. She had great influence with the other women that were there, amen, in the, in the house of the Hebrews, amen. She had great influence with them. And they all had to have known that this Miriam, amen, was something special as well everybody looked to Moses and Aaron and Miriam what must she have gone through when Moses amen stood up and 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 killed an Egyptian and he ran out on the backside of the desert and he spent another uh, half of his life out there running and hiding amen and, and staying away from Egypt what must have gone through her mind I'll tell you what I think I think Miriam was pretty special I think that she just reminded everybody hey I know Moses has been gone all of these years and I, I know everybody's wondering where is the deliverer and like I said while Moses was gone things got pretty intense amen there in Goshen in the land where they were enslaved and and I, I, I just have a feeling that Miriam just kept ensuring everybody, God is on our side. God is with us. She was brought up in the same household as Moses and Aaron. She was declared a prophetess by God. Amen. That means that God was speaking things to her that she was able to relay to the people. That's pretty powerful. They didn't have scripture like you and I have. They didn't have a Bible that they could just flip open like you and I do. If they got a word from God, they got a word from God. God, he spoke to them in their ear. He whispered things to them. He mentioned things in their spirit, amen, and Miriam was among them. I just know somehow that while Moses was gone, she was still encouraging everybody, just hold on, just stay tough, just don't worry. I know Moses is, appears to be gone. I know it appears that he ran and hid, but God's got a plan. God is on our side. I just have a feeling that somehow she was still there, and then Moses made his return and can you imagine how uh, uh, vindicated she felt that after plague after plague after plague hallelujah that Moses declared on the Pharaoh and the Egyptians as can you imagine that she stood there maybe high-fiving the other ladies saying we're, we're going to be delivered we're going to make it we're going to get out of here I told you Mo Moses was going to come back I told you that God was going to deliver can you imagine the clout if you will can you imagine the stature that, that Miriam had among all of the other Israelites especially 
especially the other women. They had to have looked up to her. And we know the story that when they're finally delivered, amen, and they finally get to that Red Sea. And how many know the story of when they crossed the Red Sea? Give me a Sunday morning wave, please. Hallelujah. And they, they get to that Red Sea. Just give me a few minutes to talk about Miriam, if you will. They get to that Red Sea. Now there is Moses and Aaron and the prophetess, if you will, Miriam, that are standing there. And they're looking at a Red Sea in front of them. And they're looking at the, the army of Pharaoh that is bearing down on them and the thunder cloud of dust that is rolling because their chariots and their horses are coming. And it's Miriam that's standing there knowing, I know Moses is going to do something. Everybody just calm down. I know God is going to use Moses to do something else. He's brought us this far. He's going to get us out. Hallelujah. Can you imagine what it must have been like to be Miriam standing there knowing that something was going to happen. Knowing that you, you, you've got influence to move and talk and, and influence folks that it's just it's going to be alright. We're going to get out of here. And then the Red Sea begins to roll back. How, how powerful that must have been to not just be Moses, hallelujah, rolling back that Red Sea to not just be Aaron that has been declared the mouthpiece and yet another person that's done great things, but to stand there and be Miriam, hallelujah, and see the Red Sea roll back and know I told everybody this was going to happen. I told everybody we were going to get out of here. How awesome could it, wouldn't it have been to be her as she first took that step onto dry ground where the Red Sea has rolled back and she began to cross with the three million plus that we've been told that we're leaving the leaving Egypt that day how awesome would it have been that she would have been the one that when Moses when they got over on the other side she was the one that stood there and then wondered okay I don't know what God's going to do but I do know that somehow we're still going to be delivered as Pharaoh's army began to roll down into that dry ground and he began to come across that Red Sea just like the children of Israel I don't think for a second that Miriam thought well he brought us this far and now they're still going to catch up to us I don't think that for a second I believe that Miriam just began to encourage everybody don't worry God still got this don't worry God's still going to tell Moses something don't worry God is going to bring us out hallelujah we're not I know that we're three million strong but don't worry we're not alone we're not by ourselves can you imagine what happened in that moment and the and the, the leaping that must have happened in her heart when that water began to come crashing down hallelujah and his army was destroyed and every one of them that pursued them to take their life hallelujah was dead and floating if you will and all of the, the chariots hallelujah had been dashed to pieces and the horses were maybe swimming trying to get somewhere out of, out of the water hallelujah but imagine what she felt when Moses began to teach them a song and Moses began to tell them a song and then here comes Miriam that says I can play an instrument and I can sing and Miriam stepped in hallelujah and took over the song and she got all the other ladies together and Miriam that's known as the prophetess praise God begins to sing her victory song and she says while she rattles her tambourine Jehovah is a man of war Jehovah is his name thou didst blow with thy wind the sea covered them they sank as lead in the mighty waters who is like unto thee among the gods Jehovah who is like unto thee glorious in your holiness fearful in praises doing wonders she said this to everybody as they begin to join in she said sing unto the Lord for he is highly exalted the horse and its rider 
he has hurled into the sea. Isn't that awesome? Anybody ever thought about Miriam like that? Raise your hand if you have. You, you thought about Miriam that way. She was pretty crucial. She was pretty important. She was a big deal. Amen. A prophetess. Part of the deliverance. She was a music director, if you will. She led them in songs. She led them in victory. Amen. But watch this, because Miriam's story goes from prophetess, a man standing on the top of a rock and directing the choir that is singing a song she wrote to glorify the God of their deliverance to a, a few decades later. Jealousy and doubt, perhaps bitterness. I want you to turn with me, if you will. I, I want you to read with me, or at least hear me read, amen, in Numbers chapter 12, again in the New King James Version. We're going to read, read ten scriptures here. This is the same Miriam. In Deuteronomy chapter 12, that is mentioned all throughout. She's the one that was part of, uh, of rescuing Moses. She was the one that was part of sticking her neck out. She was the one declared a prophetess. All the things I just told you. But watch this in Deuteronomy chapter 12. Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. Now watch this. I, I, I hope, I hope I'm going to do this message justice. The, the initial offense here is they don't like who Moses married, okay? And we could probably say there's some racism going on here. We could probably say there's just a, a, a Moses has made a mistake. Maybe they just didn't like her. Maybe they didn't like who this woman was. But they were mad that Moses married this Ethiopian woman. But watch this, because I, I really feel like that's just camouflage. I really feel like that's a symptom of what the actual illness is. Verse 2. So they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also and the Lord heard it? Now the man, man Moses was very humble more than all men who were on the face of the earth. Suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, come out, you three, to the tabernacle meeting. So the three came out, and the Lord came down in the pillar of cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both went forward. Then he said, now before I tell you what he said, watch what happened. Miriam, with all of her stature and her status, the prophetess, part of the deliverance, said those key words, has God only spoken to Moses? Aaron, he spoke to you and I too. See, now Miriam has, is going from one that is a support team, standing beside Moses, standing behind Moses, there for Moses, on his side, to now she's wondering, why are we just letting Moses do all the talking? There's some pride that is welled up. There's some uh, standing there wondering, why is Moses doing things the way he's doing them? Why are we just waiting to hear from him? Why are we just sitting back on the back burner? Why aren't we up there with Moses? Because God hasn't just talked to Moses. Aaron, he's talked to you and I too. All of a sudden, this powerful woman of God shows her humanity. I wish I could get an amen to that. 
This woman that had stature, this woman that had uh, uh, prestige, if you will, among the people, especially among the other women, amen, in that culture. This woman that was declared by God himself as a prophetess. This woman that was part of the is now standing there, her and her brother, wanting to be part of the forefront, wanting to share the spotlight, wanting some of the pride, amen, wanting some of the, the, the glory, if you will. And here's what God says, hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly and not in dark sayings. And he says the form of the and he sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Watch out talking about the leadership. I'm not going to preach on that. I'm just going to mention that. Watch out knocking the leader and questioning the leaders. And wondering why he's doing things the way he's doing them. Watch out. Can I get an amen? So the anger of the Lord was aroused against them. And he departed. And when the cloud departed from above the tabernacle, suddenly Miriam became leprous, as white as snow. Then Aaron turned toward Miriam. And there she was, a leper. So Aaron said to Moses, Oh, my Lord, please do not lay this sin on us, in which we have done foolishly in, and in which we have sinned. Please do not let her be as one dead, whose flesh is half consumed when he comes out of his mother's womb. So Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, Please heal her, O God, I pray. Then the Lord said to Moses, If her father had but spit in her face, would she not be shamed seven days? Let her be shut out of the camp seven days, and afterward, she may be received again. So Miriam was shut out of the camp seven days and the people did not journey till Miriam was brought in again. And afterwards, the people moved from Hezeroth and camped in the wilderness of Paran. Amen. Think about what happened here. Amen. This woman that has gone from the choir director standing on the rock saying, God has hurled the enemies of Israel into the sea. And now she has been exiled to sit outside the camp. Can you imagine the woman that once rattled the tambourine and said, God has given us the victory. God has delivered us. The prophetess, if you will, that once rattled her tambourine and sang her songs and led the women, amen, in the march is now now finding herself with leprosy limping away if you will and when folks come encounter with her she's now been degraded to having to say unclean unclean you have to stay away from me what a what a mighty fall Miriam had can I get an amen I want to encourage you today that you are not the only one that has ever questioned God's plan you are not the only one that has ever felt jealousy. You're not the only one, amen, that watches others be promoted over you. You're not the only one that feels like you've done all the groundwork just to see somebody else get the credit. You're not the only one to wonder about someone's changing methods. You're not the only one, amen, to, set, to suffer consequences for your actions of your humanity and your flesh. You are not the only one, amen, in this house that has ever questioned what is going on. You're not the only one that, that can look back 
and sometimes we're a little more uh, sentimental than we ought to be, but sometimes we look back. Remember, Sister Stacy, we've had conversations like this in the past where we'll say, I remember uh, 20 years ago when my prayer life was X and, and Y and Z. I remember when I used to read all the time. I remember when the church used to pray all night. I remember when we used to reach souls, and I remember and I remember, hallelujah, you're not the only one that has wondered sometimes where is God when you needed him. You're not the only one that has felt like you've, had, you've, you've accomplished some things, so why doesn't God reward you? You're not the only one that feels like you've sacrificed for the church or felt like you've, you've, you've put some things on the back burner so that you could work for the kingdom, but you don't see those things coming to fruition. You're not the only one that wonders where is God in your situation. You're not the only one. James told us that the men and the women in the Bible were human just like us. Oh, I wish I could get more amens than that. They're human just like us. Think about David, and I'm not going to spend near as much time on David as I did Miriam, amen. But all of the scriptures, David is the only life in the Bible. Do you realize that David is the only one in the Bible that we get an exhaustive breakdown of his entire life from birth to death? Anybody ever think about that? Now, there are others in the Bible that we hear about they were born, and we hear about some things that they did, and we hear about some things that once they died, we know when they died, amen. But David, man, his life is brought underneath the telescope in Scripture, amen. We know when he was born. We know, amen, uh, uh, what, that he was the smallest of his brothers. We know that he was picked out. When he was uh, following Saul, amen, they used to sing, Saul has killed his thousands, David killed his ten thousands, and instead of Saul saying thank you, he threw a spear at him. David's not the only one, amen, that has been misunderstood. He's not the only one that somebody wondered what his intentions were and his motives were. When he walked into camp that day and, he, and Goliath was challenging the people of Israel, his brothers even questioned his motives. David just came up to see what's going on in battle. David said, is there not a cause? David had great and mighty, amen, exploits in the word of God. But David also had some very, very embarrassing defeats and struggles and trials and failures. He sat on a throne as a king while a prophet pointed his finger in his face and he said, you're the man. You're the man that has killed someone he he was the one that took a man's wife and sent that man out on the front lines not just a man not just a soldier a man but one of his mighty men one of his greatest soldiers you can read about it whatever he's sitting in the cave of Adullam and they come down and they some of you may not know it but he was sitting in the cave of Adullam and he longed for a drink of water and some of the mighty men uh, didn't even ask permission they just run off and they got water out of the well of Bethlehem and they brought it back to David and gave him something to drink those mighty men that did things like that those, one of them was Uriah the very one that he took his wife and sent him on the front lines to die David was a little bit human can I get an amen can I tell you today you're not the only one that has been doubted by your family had your motives questioned that you faced impossible odds and enemies you are not the only one that has been betrayed or disappointed or let down you are not the only one that has had great victories and some embarrassing defeats you're not the only one to fail and fall you are not the only one but you are also not alone. Deuteronomy 
chapter 20, verse 3 says, And shall say unto them, Hear, O Israel, ye approach this day unto battle against your enemies. Let not your hearts faint, fear not, and do not tremble, neither be ye terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he that goeth with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. Isn't that awesome? Miriam ended up outside a camp with leprosy. David ends up with the man of God pointing his finger in his face. Tapping him on the chest, telling him what kind of guy he is. Saul, his great fall, wow, ended up falling on his own sword. Imagine that. James said, these guys are human just like you and I. What about Peter? Let me just talk about Peter for just a second. we'll, We'll get around to something here. Peter, that walked with Jesus every single day, saw him heal lepers, saw him deliver folks, saw him raise people from the dead, saw him heal the sick. He saw these things firsthand. He stood next to him while he did them. I'll go a step further. Peter was even warned that when they take me, you're going to deny me three times. What did Peter say? Oh, no, no, no. Not this guy. That sounds like Miriam. Oh, no, I'm stronger than that. I'm just a little better than that. I got a little, more, a little better reputation than what, you're, what you, you trust me with here. Right, Brother Art? Sometimes we get, we get proud. We get confident. When we've sacrificed a lot, when we've laid our lives down, when we feel like we've given everything that we have to the church and everything to the kingdom, we start to feel like we're, we're, kind, of, uh, we're kind of owed something. We kind of deserve some. A little quicker response from God, maybe. Peter, what a great guy. In fact, now that we have hindsight, we have further scriptures to read, we know that he ended up being the guy that was the first one to preach our salvation message on the day of Pentecost. How many thinks that's pretty awesome? How many would like to be recorded in the Bible as that guy or girl? Pretty cool, huh? He was told by Jesus himself, you're going to deny me three times. Oh, no, that won't happen to me. That's not, uh, you, you're thinking of somebody else. That won't be me. And wouldn't you know it that the first person that comes to Peter and says, you know what, you look like one of those guys that's been running around with that Jesus guy. Oh, no, 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 that, that wasn't me. You, you're mistaking me for somebody else. Then he's sitting by the fire, and, and he's talking, and he's telling stories or doing whatever he's doing. Somebody says, you know what, I recognize the, the way you're talking. You're one of them guys that runs around with Jesus. Oh, no, that wasn't me. And, and, and the Bible tells us, I, maybe it was the third time, that he began to curse and to swear. Let me tell you why. Because profanity is a good way to say, I ain't running around with Jesus. I'm just throwing that in for free. I thought that was cool. So stop the potty mouth. Wouldn't you think that if you were Peter and you seen all the things that Jesus did and you did all the things that you did while you were with Jesus, that when you got to number two, something would go, I better not do that again. I better stop right there at number two. I can't do a third one because I ain't that guy. And then somebody says, hey, aren't you? Oh, no, that wasn't me. The third time, and he heard the rooster. Can you imagine what happened in his spirit when big, bad, proud Peter, confident Peter, faithful Peter, did that third time, and then he heard that rooster in the background. What must that have done to his spirit? 
to just crush him in a second, to just crush him in a, in a moment. And the disappointment in himself, not to mention what he thinks Jesus is going to, the disappointment in himself. If he was staring in a mirror at that point, I bet he would have looked down and looked away in shame and in embarrassment. In fact, the Bible tells us that Peter just went back to fishing. Watch what happens, though. In Miriam, in David, in Peter, we find them again restored. They were great people. They did great and mighty things. We really think highly of them. James said, but they were human just like we are. Because they had great embarrassing things in their life. Failures and defeats and, and immorality and great, great problems and denial and disappointment and letdowns. Amen. Here's the key, though. Every single one of them, and there are folks in the Bible that their humanity got the best of them and they didn't repent. But there are the ones that God says, that's a guy, when he was talking about David, he said, that's a guy after my own heart. Wait a minute, though. He was immoral. He was a murderer. He was an adulterer. But that's a guy after my own heart. You know why? Because in spite of those failures, he found himself on his face, repenting and asking for forgiveness and denying himself pleasures of that day. And he repented and he got back with God. Miriam ended, out, ended up outside of camp and she found herself out there for seven days and she repented. And Aaron, it was, Aaron repented instantly. Aaron said, oh, Moses, don't let this sin follow me. We were foolish, we were stupid, and we shouldn't have done it. It's repentance, hallelujah, that is going to help you through your humanity. It's not going to alleviate it. It's not going to get rid of it. It's not going to keep you from failing and tripping up and struggling and having problems and trials and failures. It's not going to stop you from that. But when those things rear their ugly head hallelujah I'm here to tell you there's a God that's full of grace and mercy and power and love and watch this and he's full of forgiveness you haven't gone too far you haven't fallen too low you haven't made too large of a mistake that God's hand from his throne can't reach down into your problem, your trial, your disease, your sin, or your sickness and draw you out if you're willing to humble yourself, if you're willing to say, I need something higher than me, if you're willing to say, all of my efforts have failed and my pride got the best of me, I need the forgiveness and the mercy of God. I need it every day, church. When I wake up in the morning and my feet hit the floor, I don't, I don't sprout angels' wings. It's like pastor said, when I get in the tub, the water doesn't part. Hallelujah. I can take a good bath. Amen. I, I'm humanity. I am human. I am flesh. And I've said it a million times, and I'll say it till the trumpet sounds, until this mortal puts on immortality. Hallelujah. Until this corruptible puts on incorruption. I'm going to have to fight and battle and struggle. Hallelujah. But I don't have to depend on my own efforts. I don't have to depend on my own goodness. I don't have to depend on my own talent. I don't have to depend on my own skill. I don't have to depend on anything but the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of God. You're not the only one that's sitting here today that's hurting and wondering and 
failed and fallen. You're not the only one that wonders tomorrow morning when your feet hit the floor and your humanity meets there, meets you there and stares you dead in the eyes and you got aches and pains in your body and you wonder, well, is it all worth it? I'm here to tell you one glad day, hallelujah, when that trumpet sounds, this mortal is going to put on immortality. This corruptible is going to put on incorruption. And guess what? If I'm full of his spirit, if I've been baptized in his name, hallelujah, if I found an altar of repentance, where God forgave me of my sins and that baptistry, amen, where I went down in his name and only his name, praise God, and those sins were washed away and that weight was removed from me and he took upon, hallelujah, himself my sin and then he filled me with that quickening spirit. Oh, hallelujah, in my heart, praise God, that regardless of how much humanity I still have, praise God, regardless of how much I struggle, if I've got his spirit in me, he can lift me up and he can and I oh one day I'm going to meet him in the air praise God one day I'm going to come up off of this crown one day I'm going to walk on streets of gold hallelujah and I've sung the song all my life probably just because I don't know the words but one day he's not going to lead me to but I believe God is going to lead me through hallelujah that city one day I believe God loves me so much that he's going to take me by the hand and say let me show you around a little bit let me give you the tour let me show you where you're going to be but I'm going to spend my time in that moment when my humanity has finally been relieved and I'm going to spend my time at his feet worshiping and adoring him and calling holy 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 it's the Lord God almighty I just wanted you to know today you are not the only one can I get an amen? It was said of Peter by Froud, a man, he was a philosopher, and he said, the worth of a man must be measured by his life, not by his failure under a singular and peculiar trial. And then he mentioned Peter. He said, Peter, the apostle, though forewarned three times, denied his master on the first alarm of danger. Yet that master, who knew Peter's nature, in its strength and in its infirmity, chose him. You think you surprise God with your mistakes? You think I surprise God with my sins and my failures and my struggles? God's not surprised by anything. But when I find that place where I can humble myself and repent and call on his name, he still chooses me. I love the New Living Translation where it said, Elijah and the other prophets, they were human just like we are. And then he says, and yet, when he prayed, the heavens shut up. When he prayed again, the heavens opened up. You and I are human just like they are. They're not the only ones, you're not the only one. But when we pray, God hears us. Hallelujah. I could spend all day giving biblical example, biblical examples, amen, of those that had the things that we battled. But there are people in this church with real issues. Can I get an amen? You're not the only one that has had no money in the bank, but the bills keep coming. You're not the only one that, have, that has had kids in trouble. 
You're not the only one with political concerns. You're not the only one that feels the racial tension. You're not the only one that has dealt with disgruntled customers. You're not the only one that has undesirable neighbors, a crabby boss, maybe no job at all. You're not the only one that has been betrayed by someone or yourself has betrayed someone. You're unsure about tomorrow. You're not the only one that has been bullied. You're not the only one that's sick and tired and sick and tired of being sick and tired. You're not the only one, amen, that sees folks that don't live right spiritually or worldly and everything they touch just seems to turn to gold. You're not the only one with a chronic disease. You're not the only one that has an addict in the family that's tearing everyone apart. You're not the only one that's been cheated on and lied to. You're not the only one that's been disappointed by ministry or someone we really admire and respect. And if I miss something, I know you've got a list of things that you have experienced that you felt like you were the only one. I'm here to tell you today, you're not only not the only one, you are not alone. Why don't we pray for just a minute? Why don't we let that begin to set into our hearts and minds? Will you do that, church? Will somebody at least from here from Lighthouse begin to worship and begin to seek the Lord? Amen. And talk to him. Give me just a few more minutes. This is my favorite scripture. I've told you this before. Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? I mean, he's heard this like a thousand times and heard me quote it a hundred times. Okay, Kenny back there, admit it. Tim, a few of you. I love this scripture. I mean, this is, this is like my life anthem. I need this. I need this. Who can separate me from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded, convinced, that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other cre created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That went through every single thing on the list. It said angels or life or death or things that used to be or things that are or things that will, may come or, or spiritual things or physical things. It said anything created by God is not going to be able to separate you from his love. You are not the only one and you are not alone. Let's stand to our feet. The music can come. Anybody here pay attention to the Olympics this year at all? Please show me your hand. I'm just, I'm just looking for some. You know, it, it, I, I'm, I'm impressed by, like, Usain Bolt. I'm impressed by Michael Phelps. I'm impressed by those, those cats. They, they, they got so many gold medals that they can't even wear them all at once. Have you ever noticed that? Some, they'll, they'll wear some. They'll carry some because if they put it around their neck, you know, they probably fall forward. I'm really, I really am impressed by it. Folks that, the weightlifting cats, them cats that get in there and, man, they, they pick up all that weight and you wonder if the bar is going to break, let alone if they're going to pick it up. Those, those things are, those things of strength, those things of, of uh, the, the sports where they can dominate through speed and power and athleticism. I'm impressed by those things. And I'm not, I'm, I promise you, I'm not just saying this because it fits my message. 
The thing that most impresses me, though, are the endurance sports. And some of you are already running, you're already running ahead of me, and you say, I, I know where he's going with this in the spirit. And that's where I'm going, but I, 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 want you to, I want you to stay with me and listen to, to what I've got to say. Even before the Olympics, I have seen some of the clips, and I'm sure that you have, of high school track meets where somebody will fall or they'll flip over a, what do they call those, hurdles? They'll flip over a hurdle or something, and, and they're hurt. They're legitimately hurt, Brother Harvey. And you'll see them finish the race anyway. You know what I'm, 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 I'm thoroughly impressed by? It's those folks that run the marathons or the uh, triathlons where they got to bike and swim and run. I'm really impressed by them folks, especially when there's somebody that is in the lead. They're leading the whole thing, and they're on that last couple of miles. How many has ever seen some of these, these clips, some of these videos? And their body just quits. You ever seen that? It just, it just shuts down. They don't have any control over it. There's no medicine they could take. There's no water they could drink. There's no pep talk that will help them. Body's done. They spent it all. They're, if you'll allow me to use it in this context, the, 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 the humanity and the flesh of them just said, done. I know the finish line is right there. I've seen them do it within like 100 yards of the finish line. And you'll see, I, the, the one that I saw that, that stuck out the most to me, and those of you that know me, when I see people hurting, it, just, it, it crushes me. Like, it makes me want to cry. It doesn't matter how, what they're hurting over. When I see somebody that's hurting, but they're still struggling and they're trying, oh, that just, man, that gets me. I don't know if that's, what you, is that compassion, I guess? I, I really, I root, my heart really goes out to them. And I, I, see, I seen these, this, this one lady running a marathon. And, I mean, she could see the finish line. And you watched as her legs turned to rubber. I mean, they just, she's doing this. I mean, her feet turned in, knees buckling, falls down. And, and I watched in this one particular clip as another woman come up behind her and passed her and didn't get three or four steps past her and the same thing happened to her. Just body shut down. There's nothing left. There's no salt there. There's, there's no energy there. The carbohydrates are all spent. There's nothing to, to bring them out. And you'll watch them because there's when desire is gone and when ability is gone and when skill is gone, when training, when you've, you've blown through the training and, and you, you've done all the work, you put in all the time, when all of that is gone, there's something in their gut that they have to tap into. Determination. And you'll watch, and you can go watch them. I'm sure that there, I haven't looked, but I'm sure that there's a, and I guess I, I'm not recommending YouTube because you'll get out on the rabbit trails and get yourself in trouble. But if a video comes up, watch it of somebody running a marathon that, failing doesn't matter if it's guy girl or high school kid you'll see them sometimes where they're holding on to a fence and and with one elbow they're digging it into the ground and dragging themselves other runners are blasting pipe blasting by them they were in the lead they were number one they were about to win this thing and they're from from me to the doorway from the finish line and they're digging an elbow in sister sorrows and they're they're dragging themselves along the dirt and they're covered in blood because when they fell, they scraped their knees, they scraped their elbows. They're hurting. Every once in a while, you'll see another runner stop and help them up. Maybe not quite willing to let everybody blow by them, but they'll prop them against the fence. 
And then they'll finish their race. And that runner is wobbling and, and staggering and, and falling. And, and you'll see as they're pulling themselves by the fence. And they'll drag themselves across the finish line. They weren't the only one in the race. There were folks that blew by them. There were folks that tried to help them. There were people that encouraged them. They had trainers in their corner. They had, a, they had folks that were along the, along the lanes of the race that were yelling at them, Get up. You can do it. You can make it. You can get up. Finish. You're not the only one that walked in this church today that's hurting. You're not the only one with a sickness in your body. You're not the only one with disease at home. You're not the only one that's stumbling along life's way. You're not the only one that's holding onto the rail praying, God, help me make it. Help me get to the finish line. You're not the only one that's digging your elbow in the dirt and you're bloody and you're battered and where did all the training go and where did all the teaching go and where did all the faith go and where was all, where's all my support now and where's everybody at now and why doesn't somebody see what I'm going through and why do I feel all alone and why does everything feel dark and why am I by myself just keep digging your elbow in the ground just keep dragging yourself along. The race is not to the swift. It's not to the strong. It's to he that endureth to the end. Jesus said, I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. There's a moment in your life where you feel like you're, you're going to come in last and you're not going to finish and you're not going to make it and you're going to lose and you're hurting and... You can't stop the tears and you can't stop the pain and you don't know where the help is going to come from and where's the church while I'm hurting and where are my so-called friends that were lifetime friends and I need money and where are the folks that I've given money to all my life? Where are they at now when I need them and where are my children and where are my family? All of those questions come but you've got to keep digging that elbow in the dirt and you've got to keep dragging to the finish line. And you got to keep watching folks run by you. And you got to keep holding on to the rail. And you got to keep fighting. You got to keep dragging. You got to keep crawling. You got to get there. You're not the only one in the race. I wonder can we bow our head? Can we close our eyes? There's somebody here today. I don't have anything else to say. I, I just feel like weeping. I just. I don't have any smart stuff to say anymore I don't have anything clever to throw at you I don't have any prayers to pray I don't have any words of wisdom I don't have any advice all I've got for you this morning is Jesus we sing a song if we could become more aware that he is here is there anybody in this place this morning you be honest with yourself and God I know that there are some good things about me I know I've done some great things but today I just need to spend some time in his presence is there anybody that would step out is there anybody that your heart 
has been wrenched? Is there anybody that's felt alone? Is there anybody that you feel like you're laying in the dirt and folks are running by you? Is there anybody here that's wondered where's the healing going to come from for my sickness? Is there anybody here that's wondered where is the provision for my finances? I, I keep going to the mailbox and there aren't any checks there, but there's still bills there. Is there anybody here that has laid in bed at night and cried and wondered when will my kids come back? When will my kids come running back to a throne of mercy? Is there anybody here that you've been coming to this church for some time and you've been thinking about giving your life to him but something's been holding you back, something has kept you from coming to the front and, and, and forgetting about what everybody is thinking or doing, can I encourage you today, you've been limping through life. Maybe you're the Miriam that is limping away from camp and you don't know why you did what you did, you don't know why you said what you said, you don't know why you're going where you're going, but when you get there, can I encourage you today to find a place to pray, to find a place to repent, to find a place to... to to reach for God's grace and mercy. If you think, you know what, I, I've been a Christian all my life. I still don't pray like I should. I still don't read like I should. It's okay because there are several folks that are turning around and they're getting down in their chairs and they're praying. That's okay because this is not a show for me or the folks up on the platform or those that are looking on. This is between you and God. Is there anybody that would get down in your chair, you'd bury your face in that seat, or you'd come to this altar and you would, in your spirit, just begin to dig an elbow in the ground. you just begin to drag your along the fence is there anybody that would they're going to play they're going to sing I don't have anything else to say but there are folks that need to be crying right now there are folks that have wondered where the help is going to come from and hey, Jesus is there anybody would you please find a place to pray would you not Hold back the cries. Would you lift up your voice? Would you allow the tears to come down your face? Would you allow the words to...